Well, in my preaching recently, I've been looking, as you know, at how, as a church and how, as individuals, we can engage with our culture and uh, really make a difference in the world around us, standing apart from the world in, uh, in that we don't adopt worldly philosophies and patterns, but also being ready to engage the world with, with the gospel and uh, discharging this wonderful good news that we've been entrusted with. And also, last week and in and previous times when Dave Lockyer's been preaching, he, as you know, has been looking at the encounters that Jesus had with people and, uh, and also looking at how we engage with culture. And that there's kind of some similarity there. You feel that we're sort of straying onto similar ground. And, and I don't actually think that's a problem. I think God is in that. I think there is a, a real sense in which we need to understand that everything we do as a church is about mission and about seizing hold of missional opportunities. I was really spoken to by a picture that Jeff Fain brought recently about a, a compass that was clicking round uh, a few degrees, that this was a, a kind of a course correction. And I think for us as a church... I really feel that in one area where, where we're just making this course correction at the moment is to understand that what we are about is mission and about engaging with our culture. And so I'm going to be kind of on that territory again this morning. But I want to look at a very, what I think is a very important aspect of being a disciple of Jesus. And that's the whole area of being fruitful. Fruitfulness which is quite a mouthful. That's, I think it's such an important subject to understand clearly, understand what it means for us in our lives. Now, if you are a believer in Jesus, then you are called to be his disciple. And being a disciple of Jesus means that you are a follower of Jesus. It's not just that you are interested in Jesus. It's not just that you're a, a sort of a supporter of Jesus. It means that your eyes are fixed on Jesus. You're, you're, you're aware of Jesus. And uh, more importantly, you're aware of the difference between the life of Jesus and, and your own life. You're sort of aware of the gap. And as you look at your life and you look at Jesus, you, you're aware of the differences. And so every decision you make and, and every action you take actually serves to, to close that gap, to make you more like Jesus. That's being a follower of Jesus, being a, a disciple. Well, part of your calling as a disciple of Jesus is that you are called to be fruitful and uh, one of the reasons I think this fruitfulness is such a, a great subject is because I think there are few things that are closer to the heart of God. Now that's not just preacher hyperbole. You know, some preachers, obviously not here, but some people just, just love to say, this is the most important thing. And then the next week they'll say, no, this is the most important thing. And you think, well, I thought that was the most important thing. But uh, now I'm saying that I think fruitfulness is one of the things that is close to the heart of God. And the reason I say that is because when you look back through Scripture and you look at every major epoch in time, you see that God is there promising fruitfulness. 
We'll just look at a few of them. When God created man, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, you read this, in, in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, so this was God's first command to mankind, be fruitful and increase in number. When Noah came out of the ark, this was a fresh start for mankind. In Genesis 9 verse 1, it says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. When God established his covenant with Abraham, it says in Genesis 17 verse 3, that Abraham, Abraham fell face down. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Then zoom forward in time to when the nation of Israel were preparing to enter the promised land of Canaan. And in Leviticus 26, God says, I will look on you with favour and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. So you see, every major time point in history marked by God's covenant dealings with mankind, there is God promising fruitfulness. And you know, it's no different for the covenant in which we now live. The covenant brought in by Jesus himself, the new covenant. Because his promise to us is right here in John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. To be fruitful. Fruit that will last. And so it's so important that we understand what this really means, okay? So that's where we're going to start this morning. And then I want to look at three things that we can do. To make sure that we are fruitful as disciples of Jesus. Okay? Now clearly the whole concept of being fruitful is a metaphor. It's a picture. It's a, it's a symbol that, that describes something else. Now the Bible uses metaphors to help us understand God's truth. And it's okay to take a metaphor and, and sort of expand it and, and develop it because that's what the Bible does. And even in this passage in John 15, it takes this fruit metaphor and extends it. You've got to have the right sap, people need to see the fruits, and, and so on. But you know, we've got to make sure that we don't stop at, at the metaphor and, and never actually get to the meaning. You see, there are many things that you're called to as a disciple of Jesus. You're called to prayer. Prayer isn't a metaphor, you just do it. You're called to, to share your faith with people. That's, that's not a metaphor, you just do it. You just tell people about Jesus. But here we are being called to bear fruits. Now, personally, I don't grow fruits. I'm, I'm not a banana. You, uh, yeah, you might... Want something profound this morning or something profound? You are not a banana. We've got to get to the meaning. What does it really mean to be fruitful? Jesus says he's chosen you and appointed you to bear fruits. 
But if you never grasp hold of the meaning behind the metaphor, then all we do is we take Jesus' words and we sort of turn them into Christian jargon. And we don't want to do that, do we? Well, I think that bearing fruit means this. Okay, this is my definition that I've cobbled together. It's not necessarily that slick, but I, I can't blame anybody else for it. I think bearing fruit means this. It means that you have got the life of God inside you and you reproduce that in your life, particularly as you mix with other people. Okay? So you've got the life of God inside you and you reproduce that in your life, particularly as you mix with other people. So close is your walk with Jesus, so full are you of the Holy Spirit that it it simply leaks out of your pores. If you're bearing fruit, then when people look at your life, they're actually looking at Jesus. This is a, a spiritual thing. It's not just that you have sort of characteristics in your life that are, that are also sort of true of God. It's much more than that. This is God, by his spirit, reaching through your life to touch other people. It's a bit like when you eat garlic. If I can take one sort of metaphor and replace it with another one. You eat garlic and, and something very peculiar happens because it kind of gets into your bloodstream and I don't really understand, but it, then it, it sort of comes out your pores, doesn't it? And the next day, you can be with, with someone and they'll say, can you, can you smell something? Can you smell garlic? And the thing was, you ate garlic and, and people got garlic. And uh, do you know, you know, it's a bit like that with Jesus, not wishing to be irreverent, but it's, it's just kind of an analogy, really. You know, you're so full of the life of God. You fill up with God and people around you get the life of God. Whether or not they want to, that's what they interact with. You know, God wants his kingdom on earth to grow. Take your workplace for an example. God is interested in what goes on there. He wants his kingdom to extend into the place where you work. Now, of course, that includes your work colleagues and the extent to which they honour him in, uh, in their lives. But it also includes the conversation over coffee. It includes the things that are up on the wall, the way your customers are treated, the way the finances are kept. And God's kingdom can come to all these areas. And in fact, in Matthew 11, verse 12, it says that the kingdom of heaven is advancing. It is advancing. But how's that going to happen? Now, you can pray... You should pray. You can pray that God will kind of do something sovereign, that he'll intervene, you know, sovereignly overrule. But actually, Matthew 11 verse 12 goes on to say how the kingdom is advancing. It advances as men lay hold of it. Forceful men, actually. It's people. It's people on a mission. It's followers of Jesus, disciples like you, equipped, filled with the Holy Spirit, going into these situations and actually bringing the presence of God there as you go. Because you're bearing fruit. God is working through you to touch the people around you. 
Take another example. What if you've got a friend who is uh, particularly down and discouraged? Maybe something's gone wrong. They're, they're really upset. Now, God loves that person and, and, and he wants them to, to receive the comfort of God, okay? And it's, it's right to, to pray that God would touch them in some way. But you see that as you come alongside your friend and, and uh, God gives you words to say, you are the answer to that prayer. It's not that you say something and then you hope that God will show up and sort of do the business, now, the ministry of Jesus works through you. You are bearing fruit. And of course, as you share your faith with others, all you do is you speak words. You speak the gospel. But God comes with power. God's power to change lives. You see, God is not working separate from you. He is working through you. You are bearing fruit. But this is not automatic. You know, you can live your life day by day and make very little difference to the kingdom of God. That is possible. You can speak into somebody's life and uh, even if they need help, you can talk complete rubbish. That is also a possibility. I know I can. Bearing fruit is your call as a disciple of Jesus, but it's not automatic. There are things you need to do. There are things you need to take hold of. Do you want to be more fruitful? Do you want to be a fruitful disciple of Jesus? I believe there's three things from this passage that we need to do. The first thing is to abide in Jesus. Verse 4 says this, Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now the NIV uses that word remain and uh, I, I somehow prefer the older word which is abide. It's used in older translations. Abide in me. And the problem with the word remain is that for us it's, it's, uh, it's come to mean sort of don't change, you know, keep the status quo, carry on. But, you know, this is much more intentional. This is abide. It means this is where I must make my home. This is where I must stay. And you need to abide in Jesus. It's like a branch that is grafted to the vine. We need to press tight into Jesus in your life. I guess we know the things that 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 means, but let me encourage you with that again. It means reading your Bible. It means spending quality time in God's word and in worship of Jesus your Lord. Get into a place where Jesus doesn't just occupy your intellect but he actually occupies your emotions. He's in your heart and and you're conscious of his presence there. You need to be in fellowship with other believers. We need to be engaging with church, making the most of every opportunity with church together. You see, this is kind of basic stuff, but it's so important. You see, the way you invest your time and your energies doesn't just affect you and your own relationship with Jesus. 
it actually determines how much fruit you bear. Or in other words, how much God is able to bless others through you. And the relationship here seems pretty clear cut. You look at verse 5, there's, there's sort of no half measures really. It says, if a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You keep a tight walk with Jesus and others around you will experience Jesus through you. And I believe they will experience Jesus in ways that will astonish you. You'll just say a few words almost a a throwaway comment really and people will come back and say what you said it really helped me you'll show a bit of kindness to someone and they'll get saved that's the fruit of God's kingdom but let your love for Jesus grow cold and you will cease to be an effective Christian apart from me Jesus says you can do nothing it's sobering isn't it I spoke to the uh, community group leaders um, quite a while ago, almost 18 months ago now. I talked about a survey that a guy called Joel Comiskey had done. And he looked at large, growing cell churches around the world. And he was particularly looking at those small groups and seeing what makes them effective. What makes them healthy and dynamic so that they grow and multiply. And he looked at all sorts of different parameters to try and find what was the common denominator. And as he looked at all these different small groups, what he found was that it made no difference how dynamic the character of the cell leader was. It made no difference whether they'd been to theological college or had management training. It made no difference if they were male, female, old, young, black, white, anything. It made no difference how long they'd been a Christian. But there was one very significant difference. In fact, the most important factor determining whether their small group was healthy and grew and multiplied was whether or not the leaders had a meaningful time with Jesus each day. Whether they had a quiet time. You see, when you abide with Jesus, you bear fruit. John 15 talks about branches that aren't in the vine. And it says that they wither and become dry and fragile. And in the end, they're picked up and they're thrown in the fire and burned. And uh, when you're applying this to your own life, that's a bit sobering, isn't it? And uh, and, it's meant to be sobering. But we must be careful not to read meaning into this picture that's not there. When we read about fire in the New Testament, you immediately think of hell, don't you? And... uh, and some people would use this to, uh, this to say that this passage says that you can lose your salvation. But uh, you know that is clearly not what scripture teaches. And uh, you only have to look at passages like Romans 8. I mean even this, in this passage, verse 16, it says, You didn't choose God, he chose you. Once saved, always saved. You are secure with Jesus for eternity. You don't hold on to God. He holds on to you. But uh, we are meant to take note of, uh, of this verse. 
We are meant to take note of these withered branches. A branch that once was useful to the gardener has now stopped being useful. It's a branch that has forgotten its purpose. And so what the gardener does is he he uses it for something else. A bit of light, a bit of heat, maybe somewhere to cook his sausages at the end of the day. Do you know, it was never what the branch was intended for. Being a Christian, being found in Christ, the most privileged position in the cosmos. Don't let your love for Jesus grow cold. Fan into flame your passion for him. Because if you don't, then you're on the road to becoming useless. Now, God, by his grace, I'm sure will use you in his plan in some way. But it's a position of loss. And it's not the dynamic, fruit-bearing life that God intends for you. So abide in Jesus. That's the first thing. But there's two more. Secondly, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I say filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that we need to do. Something we need to constantly be aware of. When you become a Christian, your spirit is transformed by God. It's recreated. You are born of the Spirit. And uh, from that time on, Jesus lives in you by his Holy Spirit. Then when you read Acts and and the rest of the New Testament, you can see that the the early Christians there had a, a, a separate encounter, a sealing, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we should hunger, we should thirst for that, we should look for that in our lives too. If you've never been baptised in the Holy Spirit, that, that, that time separate from your salvation, when God comes on you powerfully and gives you a deep assurance in your spirit that you are saved and you are his, and often with, with tongues or other, other um, manifestations of the Holy Spirit on your life following. We need to make sure we are, we are there, pressing into that, pressing into the Holy Spirit. But you know, if that's been your experience, then there is more. Because every day we need to come to God for a fresh filling of his spirit. A fresh anointing for the things that God has called us for that day. Do you know, there are two passages in the New Testament that link a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruitfulness that Jesus desires for his disciples. One of those is Ephesians chapter 5, which uh, we may refer to in a moment. The other one is, of course, more familiarly probably, Galatians 5. It says, uh, it says in verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's the, the command. Live by the Spirit. And then verse 22 gives us the fruit of a life that is filled with the Spirit. And it's a familiar verse, isn't it? It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, obviously, I haven't got time to really explore each one of those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. But let me say two things about the fruit of the Spirit, okay? The first thing is, and uh, I mean, it's always a bit on the side, really. Some people seem to get quite hot under the collar 
when they hear this verse misquoted as the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, I remember I was preaching once many years ago, and uh, not here actually, somewhere else. And in the course of preaching, I happened to uh, let it slip out of my mouth. I said fruits of the Spirit. And do you know what? I had a queue of people waiting to talk to me afterwards. So do you realise that it's not... Now, okay, let me say, I think that it's really important that we strive for accuracy in our understanding of Scripture. I love Scripture, and, uh, and, and we, need to, we need to get it right. But come on, there's actually not that much difference in understanding in the difference between fruits, plural, fruits, singular. Actually, there is a point that we need to be sure about. And that's not that it is one fruit, it's that it is one spirit. And you know, on that point, I'll not be moved. And I'll jump up and down and, uh, and be, uh, you know, very firm in my opinion there. We must understand there is one spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. And when he's operating in your life, the fruit of his presence manifests itself in all these varieties of characteristics. Love, patience, kindness, so on. You know, there's no spirit of love. There's no spirit of patience. You know, you hear people talking like that sometimes. Say, oh, he's got a real spirit of gentleness, that boy. No, he hasn't. He's either hit gentleness by complete accident, or he's got the Holy Spirit operating in his life, and all the fruit of the Spirit is manifest, including gentleness. And so the first thing I would say about the fruit of the Spirit is that we need to be filled with the one Spirit, God. The Holy Spirit. And then fruit in all its forms will be evident in your life. The second thing I would say about the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's that my original definition of fruitfulness still applies. This is God wanting to touch others through you. God wanting to expand his kingdom by using your life. That's what fruitfulness is. And so when you're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, don't think internally. Don't think about sorting out your own character so that you can feel all good. So that you've kind of attained some higher level of piety. It's actually much more about how you interact with people around you. Are you bringing joy into your work situation? Do you show patience when you are dealing with irritating people? Where there is conflict, are you bringing peace? You see, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you know, this is the conclusion of all of John 15. After talking about the vine and the branches, Jesus says in verse 17, This is my command, love each other. That's fruit that will last. The aim isn't that you feel all loving inside. Oh yes, I've, I've got love. Yep, I've ticked that one. No, the aim is that you demonstrate love. That you show love to others around you in real, tangible ways. I was so blessed by, by someone in, in this church um, in relation to a pastoral situation. I can't, I can't commend the person publicly because it would reveal the whole thing. But although I'd love to. 
there was a situation and uh, I was thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? And the person, that, the self-supervisor actually, just said, leave it with me. And uh, it's a bit of a, you know, a situation. And they just put in time. They actually took time off work to help a person. And, and just, I'm not saying we all have to do that, but it stood out in my mind as a situation. That is real love. That is the fruit of the Spirit operating in that person's life. And it was just great to see. Well, the wonderful thing about Holy Spirit is that he offers his presence to you as a free gift of his grace. You know, all you need to do is come before your heavenly Father with humility and ask. Say something like, please, Lord, I, give me the full measure of your Holy Spirit for the things that you have called me to today. Ephesians 5, where Ephesians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It goes on to say, don't get drunk on wine, instead be filled with the Spirit. And it means go on, be filled with the Spirit. Keep topped up. Come again and again to Jesus saying, I need more. Don't try and live on the experiences of God that you had a week ago or a month ago or at some time in the past. We need to come to him daily. We need to say, please give me your anointing for today. So, abide with Jesus, be filled with the Spirit. There's just one more thing you need to do to be a fruitful disciple of Jesus. And, you know, this is quite tough. It's to accept the Lord's pruning. So let's return to John 15, verse 2. The second half says, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. And in this picture of the gardener and the vine, there's wonderful insight into the way in which your heavenly Father lovingly deals with you and nurtures you. You know, some people have a view of God that he's a bit like a a policeman who only shows up when you've done something wrong. And and so, I mean, maybe that's how you view God. But it's, it's not true. You know, some people see me, if you think, if you step out of line in your Christian life, that God will show up and he'll correct you and he'll put you back on track. But while things are going right and you're doing well, he'll just sit back and leave you because it's all going fine. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God is like at all. He just loves to nurture you and shape you and lead you into better things in your relationship with him. So let's be very clear on this. You do not need to be in sin for God to intervene in your life. And sometimes that intervention can be painful. You know, I can't imagine that any plant enjoys having its branches chopped off. It's violent. There's a real sense of loss. You know, you can find that areas of your life come to a swift an unceremonious end. And, and there's a similar sense of loss. Because this wasn't the dead wood. These weren't parts of your life that were sinful. These weren't things that were getting a bit boring because they'd run their course anyway. No, these were good things. They were fruitful. And, and losing them hurts. 
Maybe you felt that God was really using you at work. You know, you were enjoying your job and uh, God was using you to speak into people's lives and then one day you went into work, you found you'd lost your job. Maybe you were enjoying a, a friendship with someone and then circumstances just took them away. Perhaps you were serving God in some area and, and for reasons outside your control, it, it had to stop. And it's at times like that when you can come before God and sort of disbelief. You say, God, what are you doing? How was that a good move? Well, what we need to do is take a step back and see that this is the attention of a loving, caring gardener. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. When God takes things away from your life that were fruitful, it isn't callous, it's caring. What God wants from you more than anything else, more than your fruits, is for you to be dependent on him. And the danger is that when things just carry on, even successful things, whether that's an activity or a ministry or a friendship, you can begin to take your eyes off of God and put your sole focus on that activity or that ministry or that friendship. In fact, the branch can grow so long that it forgets that it was ever connected into the trunk. Well, where do you find your sense of security and identity? Is it in your own ministry or job or status or is it because you are grafted into the vine? Is it because you are in Jesus? You see, that long, straggly, unpruned branch has stopped saying, hey, look at the plant that I'm a part of. And it started to say, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm breaking out on my own. So when God prunes things out of your life, it's painful, but he's, he's keeping you close into himself. He's keeping you dependent on him in a place where you just have to trust him. Where you're drawing on him for fresh grace every day. And, and the, the strange thing is that when you're in that position, you're exactly the person that God can use to bring his kingdom powerfully into new areas. To touch people's lives in, in extraordinary ways. You see, it's the pruned branch that is even more fruitful. You can experience pruning in your own life. You know, there's even seasons of pruning in the church. And I think over the, the past few years, we maybe experienced something of that. With different things, different ministries and areas of activity, kind of stopping and closing down. Sometimes, for reasons of sort of strategic decisions, sometimes just kind of circumstances. There's a kids club stopping, the, the prison ministry as it was, and and all the stuff that Yuri was doing, Philip and Silla with the, the Global Cafe, all these things just kind of stopped. And uh, it was a time where you could come to God and say, what is going on here? But now what we're seeing is new shoots growing up. New areas of fruit. A new children's work that's, that's still fresh and exciting. Art Cafe, Middlebrook Cafe, other things we can be engaged in. Do you know, God is still passionate about his kingdom. He always will be. 
And where his servants are still pressing into Jesus and walking in the spirit, there will be fruit. And you know, if you're facing a tough circumstance in your life at the moment, there's no reason why you shouldn't give God thanks in the midst of it. You see, either God is bringing correction into your life and... uh, and and you should thank God that he's not just letting you continue in sin, or, more likely, perhaps, God is pruning you. Because you were this fruitful, and God saw that you could be this fruitful. He looked at you and saw a life that was effective for him, but he saw a life that could be glorious. You see, fruitfulness, it's at the very heart of God. And I believe it should be at the very heart of his disciples. I believe it's at the very heart of his will for your life. And, uh, and, and we long to see God's fruit in your life, in the life of us as a church, as we press into the vine, press into Jesus. Let's pray together. Why don't we stand? And uh, it'd be good for the worship band to come back up. We're going to close our service fairly soon. Just after we put our focus on Jesus again in worship. I would like the opportunity to pray for you. I think for two things specifically. Well, let me add a third. (laughs) If you know that you're not a Christian this morning. If you know that you've never come to Jesus and say, I need you as my Lord and Saviour. I realise that. The sin in my life is not dealt with. And only by you and your death on the cross will I be okay for eternity. If that's you this morning, then you can put that right. You can come to Jesus. Give your life to him this morning and I'd love to pray with you. So please make yourself known. Come forward, ask for prayer at the front here. So that's one group of people. I'd like to pray for you if... If you just feel dry, you just feel like, I just need a fresh equipping, washing of the Holy Spirit. I need to know the Holy Spirit flowing in my life again. Do you know, I think August is a great time in that, you know, we all have a bit of a rest and we go on holiday. It can also be a time of slight dryness in our walk with Jesus. And I don't think it should be. <laughs> I think it's a time when we should actually press into God. But you know, if you'd like just to, to just receive a bit of prayer for that, then, uh, then I'd love to pray for you this morning. And then also, if you just relate to uh, what I've said about pruning, and you think, yeah, life is tough at the moment. You know, I feel things closing. I'm not understanding what God's doing. And you just want to receive the peace of God in that. Just the assurance that actually the loving gardener it has got you. It's got a plan for your life. And he's right there. He's attentive. What a privilege that the almighty God should invest in the life of you and me.